Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. It's time to answer your mailbag questions, and boy, are there a lot of them. So to do that, we bring in the queen, Kayla Pace, who, of course, in addition to doing work for us at PlayLikeAJet.com, is also the social media manager for the Connecticut Sun. Free agency is about to start, Kayla, so I don't know who's in the mix here, but go out and get Rebecca Lobo. Is she still playing? She's actually commentated on some of our games, but not quite playing days anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's picking up. It's getting crazy. Next thing you know, we'll be in season again. All right. Well, listen, Kayla, if Rebecca Lobo is announcing and not playing anymore, then maybe you can ask her if she wants to play quarterback for the Jets because I hear they have an opening. Yeah. I mean, hey, she she probably has an arm. That's what I'd guess. She's like 6'4", right? So she could see over the line. Oh, absolutely she can. (laughs) With that, let's answer some mailbag questions. We'll start with our buddy Peter J. Dillard, the man who coined the phrase usurper in regards to Adam Gase. Peter says, Scott, you know I have an offensive line question. Oh, indeed, I did know that, Peter. If it was totally up to you based on current talent, are there any realistic potential players, draft, free agency that you would like to see the Jets offensive line add? There's a couple of interesting possibilities here. I think Skronsky and also Paris Johnson are the two guys as of right now that would make sense for the Jets at number 13. Now, you know how the draft process plays out, Kayla, because you'll start talking about some offensive linemen before you really start digging in on the tape and doing the research, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, that guy turns out to be the sixth offensive tackle in the draft once you really look under the hood of it. So for now, those are the two guys that would make sense for tackle, and as far as guards and centers and stuff, that kid from Michigan whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, who's their center, I think could be a pretty good possibility in like the fourth round. He looks like he has the traits to be a solid center. There are some guards in this draft too. I really like Osiris Torrance from Florida. He was a junior college transfer, just a big mountain of a man. And I forget who it was that said this on Twitter, but I loved it and I want to steal it for myself. He said Osiris (laughs) Torrance has throwing dudes out of the club strength, which is totally true. You see him just tossing guys all over the field like he's Uncle Phil throwing DJ Jazzy Jeff out of the house on the Fresh Prince. So those are a couple of guys that I like. There are others too. 
Luke Whipler, the center from Ohio State, is pretty good. The kid from Ohio State, I wonder if he might be a little too big, but Dewan Jones, he's a massive, gigantic guy, and maybe the coaching staff after Becton would have a little bit of shell shock bringing in somebody like him, but he could be a possibility maybe in the second round. But again, we have to see how this all shakes out after the combine and the senior bowl and the evaluations and who's going to be a late riser and who's going to drop and who has off-the-field concerns. But just based on what I know right now, without digging deeper, those are some of the names I would give you. Yeah, so I think I got a little too complacent this year and just did not do my my draft research up until this point. Um, I was just kind of hoping for playoffs. I wasn't even thinking about draft. So, um, but one one name that you said, Scott, that I have to reiterate, um, hard to miss, Osiris Torrance. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of his name. Obviously, I watch a lot of SEC being a Gamecock myself. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's a guy that I would definitely be on the lookout for. I think that if anything, that that pick will just get more and more popular as time goes on. But uh, we'll have to see. But again, it's time to start digging into the tape, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be locked in on um, everything pre-draft this year because I was way more tuned out than I've ever been. So we got to get into it. It's time to learn. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I'll tell you this, Kayla, if the Jets do get Osiris Torrance, which I fully endorse, by the way, I will 1000% be making use of the term throwing dudes out of the club strength because it's awesome and I'm co-opting it and I feel bad because I can't remember who said it. So I'm going to have to do a search on Twitter and find the guy that came up with that. But that's 1000% something that I'm going to start saying if the Jets get Osiris Torrance. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He asks three questions. Okay, sure. Let's do all three. First one. How many early picks do you expect the Jets to use on offensive line? I'd say probably at least one, maybe two within their first three picks. Does that sound about right to you, KP? Yeah, I think also, too. I mean, like you've seen them try to add through free agency and not been that successful in terms of how they play out once they actually get to New York. Like they've gotten the big name guys, Cough, Cough, Lincoln Tomlinson, and like that didn't turn out the way you hoped. So <laughs> I have to think they're going to try to use some draft assets and get some more proven players elsewhere. But again, we're at that time of year where you can speculate. But until you see how free agency goes, you don't know what those draft picks are going towards. Next question from Michael. What do you think the odds are that the Jets opt out of the lease and buy themselves a new stadium? I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, I'll have dreams about it, but I'm not going to bet on it. (laughs) Next question comes in from Jesse Parrott. He asks, why was the run defense so bad? And why should we expect the Jets to get better with Mosley probably being a cap casualty? The reason that the run defense was so bad is because the Jets have terrible safeties and bad linebackers. Mosley was their best one, but even he is a little overrated, if we're being honest. There are times where he just doesn't have the same speed and athleticism to make the plays that he used to when he was in his prime. So what would happen is if the running back could get past the defensive line and get into the backfield, it was over because those linebackers and safeties are not very good. And so they're going to have to fix that. Jordan Whitehead is due over $8 million. I don't think that's happening. I think he either gets cut or restructures. 
LaMarcus Joyner is going to be gone. Mosley may be a cap casualty. I don't know if Quan Alexander comes back. Quincy Williams is a free agent. Who knows if he comes back? So they've got a lot of work to do in terms of linebackers and safeties. The one thing I will say is that Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, both of them individually, have good track records building up linebackers. You look at what Robert Sala did with Fred Warner, who was a fifth-round pick with the 49ers, turned him into one of the best linebackers in the league. Jeff Ulbrich did something similar with Foye Aluakon in Atlanta. Aluakon was a sixth-round pick out of Yale. So I think they can mold linebackers. The question is, can they do it quick enough, and can they rebuild their entire safety group and their entire linebacker group in one offseason and into a satisfactory unit I'm not going to say that they definitely can But I won't say it's out of the realm of possibility Because look at what the Jets did In terms of defense the last two years They went from arguably the worst defense In the league, Salah and Ulbrich's first year To the second year being One of the 5-10 to ten best defenses In the league, so it's definitely a possibility But I can understand why You'd be apprehensive about it Yeah, no, the, the run defense is a little hard to watch Especially towards the end there I mean, I think the defense kind of propped itself up for that for that middle part of the season when they were winning and um it just became as things started to break down across the board for the team um that just became even more of a of noticeable weak spot in, in the run defense um but yeah no it's going to come down to i mean i would personally like to see both Quincy Williams and Quan Alexander back as for everybody else uh i mean no, there's no one really like that I'm that I'm itching to come back. Um, it's too bad that CJ Mosley is probably going to have to be a cap hit, but it make it makes the most sense. And at this point, like you can only keep those kinds of contracts if all the other holes have really been patched at this point, and there's still just like too many places where it's leaking. And uh, of course, with quarterback being the big one and offensive line, and and of course, like you said, that whole linebacker and safety group. So. That right there is too many spots in itself to to hold on to somebody like that um, with that kind of salary. So we'll see what happens. Next question comes in from Wayne Ellis. He said, would you be tempted to make a big trade up for one of the top two quarterbacks? I assume he's talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I guess Will Levis is another one and Anthony Richardson, all four of them. A lot of people think could go in the top 15. Do you think the Jets should hire Frank Reich or Todd Monken as offensive coordinator or in another role. So let's start with the first part of this. I wouldn't trade up for one of the top two quarterbacks, to be honest. I just think they need somebody who's either established or, and we'll talk about this a little bit later when we get into more of the quarterback questions, they need somebody who at least has been around the league and has started to absorb how to play the position at a professional level. If you go and trade up all these assets and make a Trey Lance type of move, A, the odds that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is going to be good enough to make an impact right away or not great. B, it's a crapshoot. We've seen this over and over again. Look at Zach Wilson. Trey Lance hasn't even played yet. Justin Fields made strides as a runner, but he's still got a lot of question marks as a passer. Mac Jones really regressed in year number two. The only one right now that you would bet money on for sure is Trevor Lawrence. And then obviously Sam Darnold's another one. He did a little bit better in Carolina for a few games this year, but look at the track record there with the Jets. So I wouldn't be making a move like that. I think if you want to talk yourself into sitting at 13 and if there's a quarterback you really like that slides there, maybe you could draft him and sit him behind a veteran, but I don't think that it would make a lot of sense to make some sort of bold move up the board to get Stroud or Bryce Young. And then as far as hiring Frank Reich or Todd Monken as offensive coordinator, 
you know I'm the president of the Todd Monken fan club. This has been going on for years. I thought the Jets should have hired him as the head coach in 2019 when they went with Gase. I talked about how they should have considered Monken when they hired Robert Sala two years ago. And yeah, absolutely. If it was my decision, I would bring Todd Monken in here yesterday and have him working with whoever the quarterbacks are and the offense to rebuild it. As far as I'm concerned, you take a look at Monken's track record, what he did in Tampa, what he did at Southern Miss, what he's doing at Georgia now, what he did at Oklahoma State, what he did with the Jaguars. Look at what he did with quarterbacks specifically. Nick Mullins showed up as a 150-pound freshman at Southern Miss, and by the time he was done there, he was an NFL-caliber quarterback. He's still in the league right now. You take a look at what he did with Brandon Whedon at Oklahoma State, a 28-year-old kid who really wasn't that good, wound up a first-round pick in large part because of the work that Monken did with him. Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, and Ryan Fitzpatrick were had their most accurate passing seasons under Todd Monken, and Tampa Bay was a top-five passing offense. Georgia, he took Stetson Bennett, who makes Bryce Young look like Andre the Giant, and turned him into a Heisman Trophy candidate, and they won two national championships. You see how well the offense is operating at Georgia. So 1,000%, I'd go pay Todd Monken. I think he makes $2 million a year at Georgia. Who cares? Woody Johnson's a billionaire. Offer to double it and tell him to come in here and fix the offense. Now, is that going to happen? Probably not. But is it something I would do? For sure. And Frank Reich, I don't like him as much as I like Monken, but if they brought him in, certainly that's a step in the right direction. It's got to be somebody who has a track record of success building quarterbacks and building offenses. So those two guys would make a lot of sense. Greg Olson is another one. He crossed paths with Robert Sala in Jacksonville, did some really good work with Derek Carr with the Raiders, did some really good work with Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles threw for 4,400 yards and 35 touchdowns when Greg Olson was with him in Jacksonville. So he's got a track record. He would fit the bill, too. So those are a couple of names. But, yeah, if it was up to me, Todd Monken all day, every day. Yeah, so I think I agree with you on a lot of this. Um, but I just have absolutely zero interest in using a top-tier pick on a quarterback. Like, I, I don't want that at all. I want somebody who's played snaps in the league – has proven that they have some kind of ability to handle it. Like, I am just really tired of rolling the dice because there is no real way to judge these quarterback prospects coming out of college and how they're going to perform. Like, it's a crapshoot. People can analyze film. People can look at all their traits. People can look at their pro day throws, whatever it might be. It's, there's no surefire way to show how it translates to the NFL. I'm tired of it. I want to see game tape from a current NFL player, somebody who has touched the field and played against this caliber of player, understands the speed of the game, has worked functionally in an offense on an NFL team. That's what I want to see. Um, and I know that really limits the options and narrows it down, but um, I just think the Jets have to be relentless in their pursuit of a quarterback this offseason. And to be honest with you, I think that with the right like, I mean, there are weapons on this offense. Like, that's not really up for debate. Like, there's there's skilled players that are really solid that a quarterback should want to play with. I don't know what quarterback doesn't want to throw to Garrett Wilson right now. So I think that they need to push as hard as they can to make that happen in a free agency capacity, in a trade capacity, whatever it may be. But no more top picks on rolling the dice on a quarterback. I'm tired of it. I think about what we could have gotten for – two overall if it wasn't used on Zach and I'm sick to my stomach. So um, no more of that. I don't want to see it, but yeah, I mean, 
as I hate giving any kind of credit to anybody that works at the University of Georgia, but if you want Todd Munkin to come to the Jets, I'm fine with that. I mean, you, like you said it yourself, the the proven resume is there. Um, there's there's plenty of sample size to show that, hey, if somebody can fix this mess, it's him. Um, Frank Reich is somebody that I would personally be quite excited about, but I understand like the argument for Todd Munkin makes the most sense. Again, don't know how realistic it is, but it, it, it makes the most sense to me. Um, but I mean, hey, we'll see. It's kind of, I think it also kind of depends on like what qualities are they looking for in this person? Like, what are they, what do they want to bring out of this team? What are they, where do they think they're lacking? Um, and then we'll just have to see what exactly Robert Sala, Woody Johnson, or Joe Douglas are looking for from this person. But I mean, you can't really argue much with a proven record. Kayla, speaking of players and coaches from the SEC, it made me think about the possibility of the Jets drafting a quarterback, but maybe not doing it in the first round. Hendon Hooker is an interesting one. He's 25. He had that torn ACL. So there's questions there. There's red flags. He had a great year at Tennessee. If the Jets picked him in the second or third round, sort of like what happened when they grabbed Geno Smith out of West Virginia, I wouldn't necessarily hate that because now you're not spending a first-round pick on a quarterback. And if there's a guy you really like and think you can develop, especially if you bring in somebody new, then that might be a direction you could go. But then, of course, if you're doing that, that means you're going to have to trade Zach Wilson because you're not going to have two developmental quarterbacks on the roster at the same time. Next question comes in from Tyler Sloboda. He asks, do you think Jesse Bates should be at the top of Joe Douglas's free agency list? In theory, yes. In reality, it's going to be tough because while Jesse Bates makes so much sense for the Jets because he's an excellent safety, which is arguably the weakest position on the Jets roster right now aside from quarterback, He's going to cost a ton of money, and I just don't know that the Jets are going to be wanting to invest that amount of money in a safety when they're going to have to be frantically finding ways to clear up cap space to begin with. So if they can find a way to pull it off, absolutely. Jesse Bates would be a fantastic addition to this roster. But if we're looking at this realistically, I just don't know if it's in the cards. Yeah, no, I think that... um. One of the things I I was had this conversation once I, I believe it was on a podcast and I can't for the life of me remember who it was with but it was kind of discussing uh, the the Jamal Adams situation back in the day and it was just kind of like how safety when you're when you're the Jets and Jamal Adams is looking for this huge contract and um, like all of this like um, attention is like the franchise cornerstone guy like at the end of the day safety is kind of a a luxury position where it's like you need to have a lot more things like secured and that you're sure of before you can go spending like flashy money on a safety. And uh, I think that's kind of like the issue here. Like I think that you have a much higher chance of signing a guy like Jesse Bates for a big price tag. If you're not questioning what the hell you're going to do at quarterback. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of like if, if the Zach plan had worked out, then sure. I would say, yeah, they're going to go get Jesse Bates. But like, I think right now it's like, okay, well, there's way too many question marks. And until you sort out the quarterback problem, it's like, yeah, they're going to make additions to the roster. They're going to do the best they can, but they're also going to cut guys that just are on big contracts that aren't necessarily bad players, but aren't going to live up to that money. And it's like, where is that money going to go to be? redistributed it's probably going to go to the offensive line and the quarterback at this point because that's that was an absolute disaster and you can't be a functional winning team without those positions kind of like 
nailed down and surefire, at least to some degree. Next question comes in from Brandon Graminos. He asks, what do you think the 49ers will do with Brock Purdy? And do you think that would be something the Jets should look into? I don't think Brock Purdy is going anywhere. Even if, say, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance were to compete for the job next year and Trey Lance were to win the job, what would be the purpose for the 49ers of trading Brock Purdy? You've got a young kid who's proven that he can play within that system at a competent level, and he's got three cheap years left on his deal, and you know Trey Lance has gotten hurt already. Why would you trade Brock Purdy? There's absolutely no incentive to do so. And even the other way with Trey Lance, because I've seen people say, would you inquire about Trey Lance? Why would the 49ers trade Trey Lance? He's another guy they have on a very cheap deal. What's the incentive for them to trade him? What if Brock Purdy gets hurt? You need insurance there. So whoever ends up the quarterback there, there's no reason for the 49ers, a team very much in the Super Bowl discussion this year and will very much be in the Super Bowl discussion you would assume next year. There's absolutely no incentive for them to trade either one of those guys. Um, yeah, no, I don't think Brock Purdy is even going to be available. I think they're going to keep him. That's like, yeah, when you hit on a draft pick like that, like that's kind of the point. You keep him in-house and hope that there's something there. So I don't think that's going to even be an option. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. Make sure that you follow Kayla on Twitter at KP underscore on underscore TV. Make sure that you check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money But it goes a long way to help us out So if you could go ahead and do that for us We'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content You know where to go That's Play Like a Jet Digital And PlayLikeAJet.com